Welcome to the One Up Project. Money is fuel that that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself. And if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Today we are speaking with Bridget Williams, CEO and founder of Bead and Proceed, um, which exists to educate people about the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals, otherwise known as the SDGs, which you might have heard of, and we'll get a bit into that in a second, and also just to inspire action towards them through creativity, which Bridget has a really strong connection to, and I'm also excited to explore that. So exploring creativity was something that you had and then you kind of lost through your corporate journey could you tell us a little bit about when you noticed your creativity and kind of how that journey progressed over time yeah sure thanks Sarah um so oh my goodness when did it start so I actually was thinking about this just recently and it sounds a bit random but when I was really young like in year three so what would that be like maybe seven years old I had this really weird obsession for drawing bees which is ironic because people who know me know that I am terrified of bees. Like, <laughs> Interesting. I'm, yeah, like, I don't know, you know how when you're younger and you, like, you get fixated on a doodle, like I would just yeah. draw them everywhere. Um, and I love bees, like nature, you know, I was always a really um, keen, you know, outdoorsy person. I was so lucky that my whanau, like, put me into nature wherever they could through tramping and skiing. Um, so I appreciated bees, but I was really scared of them when I was little. If anyone has seen the movie My Girl, they'll understand. No, um, yes. I always, yeah. whenever I think about bees, I think about that movie. <laughs> right, right. So like, and that stuff just scars you. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was drawing these bees all the time. And then one day my teacher was saying that there was going to be this special sort of art I guess, like art program for students at the school. And all the teachers had to nominate a student. And then she goes to me, Bridget, I've actually nominated you. And I didn't expect it, but she had obviously caught on to me drawing these bees all the time. So um, that really set me up to, to for me to recognize that I obviously was a bit of a creative person and I loved that raw creativity, you know, um, mm-hmm. sketching and drawing and, and paint and everything. And my mum also was really into that. And I come from a family of, of artists as well. So that was always really within me. And then as, you know, time goes on, right, like external factors start to shape who you are. You get teachers telling you you're a really creative person. You know, I would get my dad saying, oh, Bridget's more like her mother. She's more creative. And then somewhere along the way, uh not under you know people intending to make this happen but after a while being described as someone who had creativity started to sound like a backhanded insult right like Mm. a backhanded compliment you know it was like oh she's a creative person rather than Mm. not so much not that she know she's good at art not maths you know it always started to sound like that more and more often and I Mm. realized like that's not who I want to be identified as like I want to be identified as someone who's smart and and then I started interpreting people who were creatives as being people who, yeah, they were like one side of the brain and not the other. So as time went on, 
you know, that idea really stuck to me. And you see that more and more, right? When you get to the point where you need to choose a career, no one's telling you, go be an artist, <laughs> you know, or like, sure. or like, go be a poet. Like I was, um, I mean, for those that do have families that are encouraging them to do that, that's incredible. But that was not, that was not coming from my, my parents. My dad was really set on us to go to university. And so I decided to be a lawyer. And he, um, I guess he had a connection with it as well because he did law when he was younger and his brother did law too. And I could, I was trying to see where the threads of creativity connected to law. You know, like you could argue that being in litigation requires, you know, it's, there's a lot of drama behind it. You know, there's, there's a performance that you've got to do when you're presenting in court. You know, you've got to think uh, strategically, creatively and problem solve, which is all true, but it just didn't come naturally to me. So I pushed really hard through law school. Um, it was not a natural strength of mine. And I blocked my creativity up in a box, didn't touch it, just focused on law. And then I was lucky enough to get, a, I mean, after hard work, obviously, as well, to get um, a summer clerk job, which landed me in a graduate position at a really good law firm. And there I was, this lawyer that I thought I had always wanted to be, and three years around three years later you know it just started to really get to me and I I was in a pretty bad place mentally and my creativity came knocking one day made a necklace after a really bad day in court and then the rest is history (laughs) honestly you've touched on so much within that that I'm just so keen to jump into I think especially a really core part of our society today in terms of how people view career paths and just direction in life is very black and white like you're either this or you're that and luckily I think that's changing now with kind of the removal of labels on people and things and and you know you can really create and shape who you want to be in this world but it definitely like the generations before definitely influence influence that by saying you know you're either a creative or you're a more practical, analytical type of person, or you're more a strategic thinker, or you're more mm-hmm. out of the box type thinking. And it was never, yeah. could never bring multiple uh, things or, or variations of those elements to one thing. It was always you're either bringing this or you're bringing that. And it seemed like the more practical um, side of that was always the one that. I guess, reflected more intelligence, which is Mm. completely inaccurate, not only in the fact that that isn't true, but also it's just you're looking at intelligence the wrong way and and how you can bring that into everything you do. So I think that's so, so key what you've touched on. And I think with corporate as well, it's, it's quite hard. And it's sad because you're led down this path where, you know, you probably it seemed like you weren't fully set on doing law in your heart like you probably knew Mm. in your heart that it wasn't for you but you were then reaching for what elements of yourself of that creative part of yourself can you implement into this and I've done that myself working in corporate and it's it's actually really sad when you reflect back how do you feel about that do you feel like that is what you were doing was trying to I guess connect the dots there but you knew deep down that it wasn't for you yeah, for sure. Gosh, you articulated that so well. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely was. I was really, I was trying and I guess um, convinced myself, right, that I had made the right decision that, you know, um, 
my creativity wasn't going to take me anywhere. So I had to try and manipulate it to fit in law somehow. And I remember, um, you know, I guess as a creative, I love all forms. So one of them is I'm a big fan of poetry as well. And I remember writing a poem. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's just kind of explaining that metaphor exactly, which is, you know, you can either be uh, a bird in the ocean and, you know, just try and surrender and force yourself to grow gills. But, you know, you don't realize that sometimes birds actually just don't belong in the ocean and they deserve to fly. And it's hard to know whether you are a bird and you're, if you just keep pushing, if you keep staying in that corporate world, if you keep, you know, ex, you know, just suck it up, you'll be a fish one day and you'll swim mm-hmm. with everyone else. But sometimes you've got to recognize, actually, no, like, I've got wings. I want to, I want to fly. That sounds super corny. But yeah, and people, people are like, you know what, I really want to be a fish. Some are born fishes, um, you know, and some are a bird keen to become one, but others, are, I actually do think are, are birds and, um, and their skills and their strengths deserve, you know, they belong elsewhere and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not failure. That's just recognizing that life is too short and yeah, and to, to spread those wings and fly. Mm. Exactly right. And I think it was something we had a conversation about previous was kind of both of our experiences through corporate. And I'm really interested to hear from your perspective. Why do you think that the the corporate scene or law was something that potentially killed that curiosity or that creativity inside of you and you said you know you mentioned you'd gone into a bad place mentally what elements Mm -hmm. of of that world do you think um contributed to that I don't know whether I could say that it is full-on law or full-on corporate you know that is the problem that stifles creativity and that you know they they disregard it I actually think it's larger than than both you know those industries Mm -hmm. I think it's just a society as a whole we Mm -hmm. just the problem with creativity right is we can't value it and the world is run on how do we measure how do we quantify and especially in a corporate world right KPIs targets billing but you can't put a number on creativity and Mm -hmm. so it's really hard to value it and it's seen as fluffy. And I do think things are changing. You can't, you know, we're, right, like even the term, like only five years ago, people would describe terms, you know, you either have hard skills or soft skills, like soft mm-hmm. skills, like people skills and, you know, um, high emotional intelligence, right? And typically, you know, once again, we keep going left side of the brain, right side of the brain, practical, creative, analytical, creative, Right. And now we're seeing like if someone uses the words soft skills, like that's that's kind of out of date now. So we mm. are seeing change happen. And I think uh, big things like COVID and other massive milestones and, you know, just the, the progress that we're seeing around mental health and appreciating that these fluffy things that we can't see, can't quantify, uh, they, it doesn't mean that they are not of value. My goal and what I love and what I try and strive with Beat and Proceed is to show that value is, sorry, to show that creativity is valuable. It does have its place and not just like abstract creativity because we all, you know, I'm talking about that, that raw, messy, what we used to do when we were younger back at preschool creativity, right? Like that was always a part of our daily lives when we were younger. And then somewhere along the way, society was like, nope put the paint down, that's child's play, you know, 
go solve your problems in front of a screen. <laughs> and I'm like, no, actually, we need to we need to break that and we need to make more time for that raw creativity. So I don't think I don't think you could pin it like pin it on law or on corporate in general. I think it's it's been something um, it's been around for ages. But I mean, the experience that I had with my job. So where I got to in that dark place, I think it was a few things. One was definitely ignoring uh, my calling to harness that strength of creativity. You know, like we said, I thought I could convince myself that I was, you know, getting, I was getting that fulfillment. But the other thing is that law in general, and people are probably going to laugh, it's a really negative environment. You're constantly dealing with problems. And yes, like all jobs have to deal with problems, right? And people will probably Mm. be like, Bridget, didn't you see that coming? Like, you know, didn't you realize that? And it's it's true. Like I did go into it with my eyes open. But kind of coming back to that fish bird metaphor, um, I I really struggled with with these problems. And I just wondered, like, am I am I just a very emotionally, you know, sensitive person? Can I push through? Can I be that fish and actually just power on and eventually get over the sensitivity of some of these issues? And then I also realized actually that is another strength. Having sensitivity is a strength, caring about things. Um, so, yeah. So then I just, I found myself after a while in just dreading going to work. Um, and I think some people can relate to this. And I don't mean to say this in any way, you know, to trigger anyone, but I think this is definitely a, a, a good test if you're not if you're in a job that you don't like. Um, I would find myself before court, I would you know be putting on my clothes, like my court attire, and I'd just be sobbing in front of the mirror. And then there would be times where I'd be biking to work and I thought, oh, you know, if, if I biked close enough to a car and if a car door opened, like I could go to hospital instead of work today. And that was where my mind was at. So it wasn't in a very good place and something had, yeah, really had to be done. And I was lucky enough that I had the support around me to give me permission to explore that. Mm, I can, I can sadly, but absolutely resonate with, with that a lot. And I think you are almost driven to this place by, like you mentioned, it's not necessarily pinned on one industry or or whatever, but it's kind of a whole societal thing in the way that we're raised. And I listened to a podcast about something similar um, the other day. Uh, they were talking about soft skills and hard skills, and they said, I just want to replace the word soft skills with human skills, and that be something right? that we actually start to value, which I totally yeah. loved. And then they were mentioning how um, at school, you know, the classic measure of progress, and you were talking about that we can't quantify these things, these fluffy things Mm -hmm. before, and that's something I've thought about a lot, is like, okay, if I was to change the education system, just shower thoughts I'm having, if I was to do that, how would I go about doing it? And and for me, it's like, well, it's an interesting one, because how do you quantify and measure growth over growth of those more fluffy things over the more practical mm-hmm. skills in this podcast I was listening to they were saying you know you don't get awarded or congratulated for having more patience today than you did yesterday or, or growing your resilience mm-hmm. but you get that for your math score going up but actually mm-hmm. what's going to have the larger impact on your life and your relationships 
And it's it's a difficult thing because it is hard to quantify and measure and like practically implement into a structured system, which might then mm-hmm. show that a structured system isn't right for something like this. But it's so, so important to be at least aware of it so that you can, I guess, avoid or learn from those experiences where you were sort of forced to be this version of yourself that you knew wasn't right. And it's so, so sad to be brought to that point, like you were saying, just crying in the mirror. And I've definitely been there. It's horrible. It's a horrible feeling when you get on the train in the morning to go to work or whatever your method of transport was that was it for me. And you're just riddled with anxiety the whole time until you get in and and sit down. It's like you just don't get a breath. And that's the point you're driven to, which is so horrible. And so I can completely resonate with that. And I think it's really brave for you to to make that decision. And so when you did decide to leave, what was mm. that experience like? Were you met with resistance? How did you move past that? It was a journey, definitely. And it's still one that I'm I'm on. Like I don't think we ever, you know, it's always a it's yeah, it's constant learning. But I, so there were definitely a few things that happened before the final moment clicked. Um, so I had started so as sort of saying um, what I explained at the start, how a pain in a necklace and everything changed. So just tying up that loose end, what had happened is I had a particularly bad day in court and just, yeah, sick of the negativity. I just wanted to channel my frustration into something positive so I made the necklace and when I was painting the necklace I just started you know getting lost in that in the state of flow that's what creativity does to us right we think up alternative ideas we tap into a different place in our mind that just allows us to think up um, you know ideate solutionize and just yeah and just get inspired so I was, yeah, I wore my necklace to work the next day and I realized that people started commenting on it and saying, you know, could you make me a necklace? And I thought, man, what if we could all, you know, I want people to share the same feeling that I had when I made it. What if we could run these workshops where people came together to paint these five beads uh, and, you know, while they're painting and creating, they come up with, you know, they share resources and podcasts and books that have inspired them. So, they're proceeding to be better versions of themselves, hence the name bead and proceed. And it was also kind of like a play on words. I don't know if you've ever heard of the term stitch and bitch. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, where all your mates come together and you get crafty and then you bitch about everything. But I was like, once again, I wanted this to be a positive environment. So it was (laughs) bead and proceed. So I I sat on the idea for quite a long time. So I I came up with the idea while I was practicing law. And um, yeah, and I, you know, by no means that I think that it had legs to become a a full-time job. I just was, I just enjoyed it. And I thought maybe this is something that could be shared. And then the next day I discovered the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals. So that's a whole story in itself, but quickly the goals, 17 beautiful different colors, each color connects to a goal a massive global issue that we're trying to achieve and the framework we hope to achieve by 2030. So all UN member states, including New Zealand, have adopted the framework uh, and they address all areas of sustainability. So economic, social and environmental, uh, massive massive problems like climate action, gender equality, good health and well-being, life below water, life on land, And I just thought, how does no one know about this framework? This is such a beautiful framework. This was back in 2016. And that's when I thought, oh, my goodness, that's what we can do. We can come together to paint these five beads. 
The five beads represent the top five goals that you want to action. And while we're coming together to paint and create, we are discussing and yeah, brainstorming ways to action the goals that we care about. So that beat and proceed, the concept had been born. And, uh, you know, throughout my time as a lawyer, I was chipping away at it. So coming up with the beat and proceed kits, uh, you know, meeting with, um, you know, connecting with our supply chain, making sure that, you know, everything that beat and proceed does was all ethical and sustainably sourced. Uh, and then there were two moments that really made me think, hmm, maybe the leap to do beat and proceed wasn't so crazy. The first was the United Nations and Christchurch found out about it and they told me to pitch for funding. So I got funding from the UN, which was a huge sense of, I guess, a confidence boost because, sure, you know, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't, yeah, I like, I didn't think this idea, you know, it was painting necklaces. Like what, how could that make impact? But they saw that it did and they were looking for um, ways to promote and raise awareness about the goals. And they saw this as a great way to do that. So that gave me confidence and then also financial ability to buy the first order of kits. And then uh, I also started to get businesses contacting me. One contacted me in work hours wanting to know if I could run a beat and proceed workshop with their leadership team. And I'm like, why? Like, just buy the kit. Like, you don't need me there. <laughs> like, that's all there. There's like a there's like a document you can follow and everything. Like, I don't need to be there. And they said, no, we really want to hear your story. And I realized, man, maybe there's something to this. Like, maybe as well as the kits, you know, I could run workshops for corporates to help them align to the sustainable goals with their business and engage their staff because it could be a great team building exercise. And so those are the two things that really made me think, hmm, there might be something here. But the actual moment was when, once again, had a really another bad day. Uh, and I just was so, yeah, just in a crumbling mess at home. And my amazing partner, now fiance, got my mum to come over. They basically sat me down, had an intervention. And they were like, Bridget, you're so unhappy. You need to do something. And then my partner said to me, Bridget, where could you go? Like, where could you take beat and proceed if you gave it 100%? And then he said, actually, I want to know where you could take it if you gave it 100%. And I didn't realize that that was the permission I'd been waiting for. Mm. And I think all creatives, all people in places where they are at that crux of change, but they aren't ready quite to take that leap, we're all secretly waiting to hear someone else tell us I'm giving you permission to do that. So yeah, so that was the exact moment. And it's quite funny because I like the, the law firm was really supportive. It was a great firm. And I remember when I told them I was leaving the law. <laughs> I'm so cheesy, God. But anyway, I wrote a, uh, a quote from Confucius. Confucius is a Chinese philosopher. And I said, um, and the quote goes, they say you have two lives and the second one starts when you realize you only have one. And that was that kind of moment for me and why I put that quote in my resignation letter because it's, yeah, it was really about starting the second life, which we, we all have. So this is me giving you, anyone who's listening, permission to start live, like live that second life. Mm. Now's the task. Oh, I have goosebumps after that story. It just really shows the importance of the 
people in the company you keep as well, but also <laughs> the courage that it actually takes to to change at that point because it is a very vulnerable place to get to and then it being so uncertain and unknown as well it's it's definitely not easy so it's really cool to hear that and around you though like beyond I guess those who wanted to see you take it somewhere or or wanted to um, support you in that were you ever met with any resistance to like leaving the corporate world yeah yeah definitely so uh one person in particular was my dad <laughs> he uh he was not a fan at all mm-hmm. so I mean you kind of got context on the start right he you know he wanted to be a lawyer he really yeah he was proud I think that I was a lawyer and when I told him I had coffee with him one day and I said look dad I'm, I'm leaving the law and his response was you're not going to do that bead thing, are you? And <laughs> that's my dad's voice. And um, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just he just didn't get it. And he still, to, to be honest, mm. till this day, he still doesn't really get it. Um, mm. And I appreciate that, you know, he's from a different generation and I'm not making excuses for him. But it's just really hard for him to explain to his mates, like, what does your daughter do? Oh, she uh, brings people together to paint uh, beads and they learn about goals and creativity and I don't know. Like, it's just, it's a struggle for him to explain. And mm. it's so much easier to say, I'm a lawyer, right? Like, you know exactly what that title means, but it's a bit harder to explain what I do now. Uh, but in saying that, though, um, I think he's coming around to the idea that I've done this full time. And there is a really funny story because that's the thing as an entrepreneur um I so I look back so I've just finished recently doing beat and proceed full-time for three years so I've now been I've done beat and proceed longer than I've been a lawyer Mm. Uh, and I took stock of where I was and some of the lessons that I've learned and I realized that there are three C's that you'll be surrounded with you know when you're an entrepreneur in life in general but as an entrepreneur you're definitely going to face the three c's and they are one is the challenges so these are people who challenge your idea your concepts they'll always tell you their opinion about why it's wrong or what you should do differently and sometimes you haven't asked for their advice but they're really keen to give it to you and look it's good because it helps you refine your idea and you know take stock but those challenges right you also have to balance them with cheerleaders. So those are people who are rooting for your idea. They believe in you even when you don't. And then the third one, which is really important, are champions. So these are people who will you know, not only believe in you, they believe in your concept and they will open doors for you. And uh, around the time when I was feeling really, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess sad, uh, slightly frustrated that my dad didn't get what I was doing, um, I remember I had an amazing champion. His name was called Raf Manji, and he was a former city councillor. And he contacted me and said, Helen Clark is coming to Christchurch. Uh, tweet her and see if you can tell her about Bed and Proceed because she's a massive SDG advocate. So I tweeted Helen Clark, and I'm like, do you want to know about Bed and Proceed? This is what I'm doing. Like, I didn't even know how to tweet. Is that what you say? Is that what you call it? Tweet? Yeah. yeah. And then she she tweeted back. She tweeted back. And she's like, sounds good. And then she gave me like the um the con- like her contact details. So then I had lunch with Helen and I told her about Bead and Proceed. 
And it was just amazing. It was the most amazing one hour of my life. And then later on that evening, she was presenting at the town hall. And at the end of the, about the, about the goals, and at the end of the presentation, uh, the facilitator, Bronwyn Hayward, goes, so Helen, you know, is there something you'd like to share? You've got something in your hand. And then she holds up, like, a, the beat and proceed kit. And she's like, Bridget Williams, are you in, are you in the audience? And, and then I, I stand oh up. God. And then for the next, like, three to five minutes, she goes on about, like, endorses beat and proceed and, and what I was doing to raise awareness and action towards the goals. And I just remember being like, wow, like this is such a hero of mine. And I thought, hold on, who cares if my dad doesn't believe in beat and proceed? Helen Clark does. And like, it was just one of those surreal moments where, you know, it was important to celebrate that win and mm. recognize that you're never going to please everyone. But that doesn't matter because you just focus, you know, it, it's not those, it's not necessarily those opinions. Um, that you should focus on or that even matter, right? Because dad is from a different generation. This isn't his world. This isn't his ecosystem. Um, but it sure is Helen's. And yeah, so you're going to be faced with those challenges, but balance those with those champions and cheerleaders because, yeah, it's really important that you get that balance because you are going to be your biggest challenger, right? Like you're, mm. you're going to be full of self-doubt already. So yeah, focus on those other two Cs. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. It's such a a simple way to look at it too that makes it easy to understand and, and give some direction. And I think there's so many things that come into you following a path of something that makes you feel passionate or, or purposeful. And a lot of people now, young people, a lot of people who listen to this mm -hmm. podcast, you know, this is a community of, of passionate and purposeful people who want to do incredible things and want to be fulfilled within their life and, and make an impact and make a difference. What would you say to people who do want to do that, but they just don't know how exactly they can, what value they have or, or where to start with that? I, look, I would say that the first thing is you really need to, you know, it is about finding out what is your unique value and you know, what do you, what do you care about? And a big part of that will, like a way to mirror that and figure that out is understanding what your strengths are. Because I do, it comes back to like, I couldn't ignore that strength of creativity. It came knocking, it demanded me to put down, take off my high court gown and paint some beads. And now I'm here, but um, you know, you're gonna, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a journey, right? Like you're gonna, you're gonna have to find your own beads to paint, so to speak. Uh, and the way to do that, I would say, is follow your curiosity. If there is something that sparks your interest, and you go, oh, I'm really interested in this, like that kind of got me, that got me pumped, that got me excited and engaged, then follow that and see where it goes. Uh, so you, yeah, you'll just, you'll never know. But I do think uh, whatever you are naturally good at, I think it's really important that we celebrate because you've been given those gifts, you know, so just, yeah, use them and see where they take you. And if you can use them as a force for good, then even better. And we, and what good looks like, I mean, it's, it's changing. We're living in such a fast paced world right now, but if you're looking for a place to start, I Go back to the SDGs. It's a beautiful framework. So just by the way, SDG, that stands for Sustainable Development Goal. So there's, you know, check out the 17 goals, 
and just see which goal jumps out at you. It might be quality education. It might be life below water and preserving our ecosystems. Or, you know, maybe it's peace, justice and strong institutions. You know, you're connecting with what is happening internationally with the world. So, yeah, check out that framework. And I reckon that will help. Mm, I love that so much. I think on a podcast I just did recently last week, um, something we were talking about was kind of this exactly like when you don't feel like you know what that direction is, what do you do? And she phrased it as follow the tingle, which is similar to what you're saying. When something you have sparks Mm -hmm. that passion or that interest, follow it, like just follow it. It doesn't matter where it takes you but just let yourself lean into it and let yourself go deeper and deeper and figure out where that's coming from and what within that is going to provide uh, something more purposeful within your life so yeah amazing Bridget you've honestly lit a fire within my soul I feel motivated to just change the world Um, honestly I really appreciate having you on the podcast I love your story I love, like, I resonate with so much of it as well. Oh and I just think your outlook is amazing. So thank you for jumping on with me today. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. And, like, to anyone anyone listening, please um, feel free to get in touch. More than happy to, yeah, to talk about anything, whether it's the goals or whether it's you finding what your strengths are. I'm no strength-identifying expert, but, um, yeah, I'm definitely here to help people understand that, yeah, you've got, yeah, now's the time. Start living that second life. Uh, and yeah, figure out, are you a fish in the ocean or are you a bird that needs to fly? Because they are hard decisions to make. But yeah, we you're surrounded by a community that's here to help you. Mm, absolutely. And if people do want to reach out, what's the best way to get in touch? Oh, they can, uh, if you want to shameless plug uh you can (laughs) contact me uh on instagram yeah contact me on instagram would be great so we're just uh bead and proceed that's b-e-a-d a-n-d proceed so bead and proceed on instagram uh but we've also i'm really active on linkedin so if you want to connect with me on linkedin just bridget williams uh, we've got Facebook as well and also the Beat and Proceed website, which is www.beatandproceed.com. And yeah, here to answer any questions that you have about, yeah, about anything, whether it's creativity, sustainability, um, yeah, or how to get over a disappointed dad, you know, I suppose. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Bridget. This has been great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.